It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hi, welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Lori Richardson, founder and CEO of Score More Sales. Lori is also president of Women's Sales Pros. So, Lori, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. So, rather than have me lead off with some sort of standard biographical sketch of you, I'll let you fill in the blanks. So, you know, take a minute and introduce yourself. Sure. So, I am in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. I I work with mid-sized companies and more smaller mid-sized companies and larger SMBs on attracting customers, so prospecting, as well as leadership for the frontline sales managers. And I've been doing this for about 12 years. Before that, I was a a bag-carrying sales rep myself, inside-outside sales manager, and um, I've I've earned some scar tissue in doing that, and uh, it it helps me to be authentic when I talk with uh, salespeople about how to do their job. Well, so where'd you get your start? I started in the well, actually, to go back, I started in a family-run business. My my grandmother had a women's apparel store, a, a fine women's apparel store. Does so, that mean lingerie or dresses? No, it was dresses, uh, high-end uh, dresses, coats. Uh, things that her her competitor in the Seattle area where I grew up was Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. And she was a very small shop, but she didn't discount. So that was a really good lesson to learn early. And she built a clientele that was just amazing and really stood up for what she believed in. And, and I know, you know now that I got a lot of that from her. Very interesting. So what was the sales process like? With her? Yeah, with her dresses. In the, in the in clothing the... store, well, she had two sales a year. So we we sent out postcards that were hand-addressed <laughs> to thousands of people. And and that was the only time that she ever had, a, had anything other than at full retail price. And people came from far and wide to, to visit with her. And um, she just had an amazing, amazing group of customers and, and reputation in, in her field. So, hmm. And so your first professional job in sales so, was? Right. So then I became a teacher. Then I became a single mom. <laughs> and rapidly all these things were happening to me. Right. And um, I could not support my family on my my low-wage teacher income. So I actually went into a non-traditional program for women where I did scaffolding and I poured cement and wow. did all these different things because I wanted to be paid what my male counterparts were making. I wanted to make good money supporting a family. And it was just coincident, just kind of happenstance that my favorite thing that I saw was electronics technology. So I went ahead and got a degree in electronics technology and then I realized I'd be working, you know, doing a lot of repetitious work with items and not people. And I'm mm-hmm. really a people person. So I stumbled into the idea that maybe I could sell something that was electronic and got into the, you know, the the boom of the microcomputer era in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And 
and that's what propelled me forward. It was fabulous. So it wasn't, it, it was intentional that I would be in sales, but it was not intentional. My path took a few twists and turns, but ultimately I was happy to, to get there when I did. So what was that first job? First job was, uh, I, I answered, I took phone calls. Uh, we called them red calls at the time and, uh, calls that came in from people looking for computers and computer hardware and systems and solutions and things like that. And it progressed into, it was retail and then it was corporate accounts Right. Uh, then enterprise management, and I worked with a number of different manufacturers such as IBM and Apple mm-hmm. and uh, Hewlett Packard. Some, you know, really fine companies got excellent, excellent sales training. And so after that, then where'd your career take you? Then my one child went to the East Coast, and I at that point had the opportunity to start my own business, and I did support for sales teams. Mm-hmm. So I helped helped get appointments and things like that. And once my son was headed to college to play Division One hockey, I realized I needed to be there to see that. And so I moved to Boston and got a job building a sales team. So I built an inside sales team and then ultimately created a corporate university for the same company. Aha. Uh-huh. And so that then led you to doing your own thing. Yeah. Then we, uh, I moved back to Seattle after four years of watching college hockey, which is great. I encourage yeah. everyone to do that if they have a chance. And uh, and then I started Score More Sales. And you ended up back in Boston somehow. Yep. Ended up back in Boston because the same uh, same child ended up having a family. Ah, there <laughs> so, we go. That's good. So, good motivation. Uh, yeah. 3,000 miles is too far away to be so uh packed it up and came back and of course having a consultancy allows you to be just about anywhere you want exactly exactly yeah i know that lesson firsthand so what's the sort of the major changes you've seen take place in sales over the course of your career well i think it's the the obvious things that people have talked about ad ad nauseum over the last few years which is the fact that sales changed and that we really did used to control all the cards Uh, when i started in my sales career customers came to us and you know if they were lucky they would you know get on our radar and get our time and our help and you know it's just total opposite now. Now if the seller's lucky, they'll get in front of the buyer. So it's it's been quite interesting to watch that and to to see how sellers can help position themselves so that they they don't feel like they're at a disadvantage and they're not at a disadvantage. Right. And so what have the changes been for women in sales over that period of time? It's interesting. I've always worked in a more male-focused environment, so I've often been the only woman, or maybe one of a few. All the the sales forms, you know, years ago, always said salesman number, mm-hmm. so I'd put my number in, and and all the rewards had to do with salesman of the you know, year, cigar bars, and <laughs> yeah. you know, hard clubs. liquor and golf and things that. I wasn't so fond of, but, um, but you know, today I still run into a lot of areas where there are not uh, a high proportion, even a, you know, an equal proportion of, of women to men in terms of sales positions. And certainly sales leadership is very light 
on women. So that's a bit concerning here in, you know, 2015. Yeah. And so I guess there's one, two questions. One is, is sales still sort of like a lot of the engineering professions where there just aren't that many women that are being attracted to it or, you know, they're just not being given the opportunity or it's not being made to look like it is an opportunity for women? Well, I had the the pleasure recently of meeting a couple of gentlemen who are building sales programs at universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, one of them was saying that the parents, more than anyone, influence kids on what courses to take at college and what to major in. So many people would not think of sales as you know the number one thing on their list for what they want their kids to do when they when they uh, have their professional career because of just the bad press, you know, the bad sales examples that we've seen over the years. But when they do, uh, and and he gave an instance of uh, a young woman who was attracted to the sale, there was a, a kiosk where they were talking about different majors. And this school has a major in sales. Mm-hmm. And so the young woman dragged her mom over and she said, you know, I'd really like to look into this. And her, her mom said, oh, not sales. You don't want to do that. And she said, well, just, you know, be open-minded. And so they talked and engaged a little bit. And it was just more of an opportunity to learn that, you know, this is a very awesome profession. I I can't think of a better profession for young people to get into because no matter what you do the rest of your life, it, it's going to involve some selling. Oh, absolutely. But also it seems like to me that that from the perspective of Women compared to so many other careers where, you know, gender politics sort of enter the equation relative to promotion and advancement and so on is, at least in sales, you know, whether you succeed or not is fairly objective. I mean, I know there are other factors that control yeah. whether or not you're put in a position to succeed, but, you know, in the main, given an equal opportunity, it's all about what you do. And that's exactly why I got into sales. I made an intentional decision to do that. And I wanted to be paid for my efforts. So other than not negotiating a high enough salary the first time I came in, <laughs> that's one thing women don't tend to be as strong at as right, men. Right. Um, other than that, I made the money that my counterparts made. And, and I loved that. And I loved striving to be in the top 10 you know, whenever I could, even as a single mom. I, I loved the competition. So do we know, you know any statistics about whether – you know, more or fewer women are choosing to enter sales now, especially, you know, the generation generating from college right now? It's great that you ask that because it's it's so hard to get statistics on sales, particularly, I think you and I are talking about B2B selling. Mm -hmm. So government reports, you know, kind of lump in different types of selling. There's selling to consumers and things like that. LinkedIn did a survey of women in sales uh, a year ago, and they did it based on names, you know, by looking at names and and identifying if it's male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there's nothing comparative. So I think we have a lot, a long way to go in terms of, of having some answers. But we know that the number hasn't grown uh, from what we are familiar with in the past. I would say, you know, I get I've seen between 25 and 35 or so percent of sales roles, B2B sales roles uh, are 
are with women. Mm -hmm. um, but as you and I were talking about, it depends on the industry as well. So technology is very light on, on women's sales reps right. and very light on sales leadership for women. Yeah, and it seems like that, again, this is just sort of personal experience, is that with the sort of the move to inside sales, at least the, or maybe the formal categorization of inside sales, so it's, because I like to say it's been going on forever, um, and this formalization of this role of the sales development rep that, you know, my talks with a lot of companies that are in that space that are employing heavy SDR teams to, and scaling their SDR teams to build their, their business, not a lot of women. Yeah, and it's funny because one of the new services we're going to be offering on the Women's Sales Pro site is companies are coming to us saying, you know, we want some women in the sales role. We Can you help us get the word out? And, and, and it's not because they think it's the right thing to do. You know, it's because it's the ROI. It, they know that a balance of men and women on their team is going to be better for their company, and they mm -hmm. know that women bring different sk different skill set. And um, I'm really excited about that, to hear that, that people are really standing up and saying, well, we're looking for women. If you know any good candidates, please send them our way. And that's great. And who's driving that? Who's driving it? Actually, yeah. the first company that I talked to about that with was Pipeliner Sales. Sure. Uh, Nicholas Kimla. Right. And the, the effort to... So coming from you know, the CEO. Yeah, from the CEO. And, and I've talked to multiple companies since then that are saying the same thing. So it's it's phenomenal for me. I I heard uh, a v, senior VP of sales, Shep Maher from GuideSpark in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. give a talk at Sales Hacker. And one of the pieces he talked about was improving diversity uh, on the sales team. And I thought that was phenomenal. So it's not just women talking about it anymore. Well, it's good because I think that one of the things that drives it, and that's why it's good to see Nicholas get behind this is that especially in smaller enterprises that oftentimes the CEO who's intimately involved with the hiring you know they tend to hire less unfortunately less about skill set and experience and more about people they're I don't want to say a comfort level with right people yeah. more more like themselves yes. um, yep. and as a result you know they don't tend to broaden the horizons in terms of the type of candidates they're willing to consider. Yeah, and I wouldn't go as far as some of the people I've talked with. I think one of the people that comes to mind, Ken Krogh, um, yes. co-founder of Insight Sales, who insists that women are better at sales than men. I, I won't go that far, but I will say we have different skills. And the, the blog post that Jill Conrath did uh, a while back called Sell, I Sell Like a Girl is a good overview mm -hmm. on that, uh, on some of those skills that we're talking about. Exactly. Well, good. So we're going to take a short break right now, and we'll be back uh, after that. My guest today, Lori Richardson, founder and CEO of Score More Sales and president of Women's Sales Pros. And we'll talk about Women's Sales Pros after the break. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. 
Okay, we're back with Lori Richardson, founder and CEO of Scoremore Sales, president of Women's Sales Pros, and I want to talk about Women's Sales Pros now. So tell me about this organization, how it got started, and you know, sort of what its mission and goals are, sure. and what you're sort of doing to help those along. Sure. Women's Sales Pros started, it was actually started by Jill Conrath in about 2007 or 2008, it, with a different name, it was called Sales Shebang because Jill wanted to have a conference where it was uh, women sales reps and she wanted to have all women speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and I have been going to conferences, as you have too, Andy, for many years. And um, for the longest time, we would just see this pattern where there might be one woman speaker on the main stage and maybe a few in breakouts, but never on the main stage. And mm-hmm. If there was one woman, often it's a marketer or it right. was someone talking about style. Um, and and it just it, it rubbed us wrong because we know that there are some great speakers and authors and we again we just wanted a little diversity. So so Jill started with that and a couple of years ago she handed it over to me because she's busy, you know, giving her keynotes and conquering the world books and <laughs> all that. So uh so what I did this year was we transformed it to women's sales pros. It resonates with people and the whole the idea is all to be a single place where people can go to find women sales experts, but also it's a place where you can go to get information ideas about selling and we hope that it inspires women in sales and women sales leaders so to that extent we're starting to add a a new series of interviews with women sales leaders Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be doing more with that as time goes on and in november we're going to have a virtual summit and uh, have a lot of exciting things coming up we have a in october 1st we're having a a, a sales leader summit, which will be in Chicago. So that should be exciting too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause I saw that on the, the website. Yeah. October 1st from 1 PM to 4 PM at the, uh, Regent Chicago Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have Jill Conrath as a keynote. Trish Bertuzzi is going to be our closing keynote. We'll have a panel and a few other speakers, um, all talking about real tangible takeaways for for sales leaders to to um, to hear about. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll have we have leaders coming from the Chicago area, but we also have a good handful flying in from other places because we'll have our sales uh, conference for our women sales pros the next two days. So we have this whole group of of knowledge, you know, <laughs> at at our fingertips, and we thought, what a great idea to have an event with it. That sounds good. And then the virtual event? Yes, the virtual event is going to be November 11th, and um, we'll have more information on the Women's Sales Pros website as time goes on. And that is women's, women, plural women, womensalespros.com. Womensalespros.com. Right. Yes. So, so women. Women, yeah, I said plural. Yeah, frog yeah. protection. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You said fraud, right? Yeah. <laughs> we watch the same commercials on TV, apparently. Yes. So let's get back to your sales now. So tell us about the biggest failure you've had as a salesperson or a sales manager. And what, well, the, and what was the lesson you, you learned that, from it? 
Uh, one of the first things I thought of when you said that, and I've had many failures in a, in a long sales career. There, you know, there were peaks and valleys for sure. Um, I can think of a time where I worked so hard on a big multi-million dollar opportunity and thought I had covered all my bases, but my competition had gone to the decision directly to the decision maker where I hadn't. And at the 11th hour, I lost a huge, huge deal. And I just remember what a lesson that was, you know, it, it, it was too, too difficult to think about for a while, but eventually, you know, you, you have to call high and you have to have all the people involved. You, you need to know who all those people are in, in the decision-making process and, and reach out to them in some way. Yeah. So really. In fact, you probably didn't lose it at the 11th hour. You probably, 11th hour, you probably lost it earlier because you were never in touch with the decision maker, right? Yes, I was just informed at the 11th hour. Exactly. You're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, had a, I had a deal like that too. A, again, a very large opportunity. We were competing against the incumbent. We had, oh my gosh, a, such a technically superior solution to the yeah. incumbent who was basically doing nothing. But we yeah. didn't realize we were being used as as basically a way to whip the, the incumbent to give them a lower price. Uh, and the yeah. customer didn't care about the technology that much as much as they care about the price. And yeah, if we'd been a little more diligent, that's the lesson I learned early in the career is they were just playing us along. I wasn't continually sort of requalifying the prospect to make sure that we were really on track. And Right. Yeah, those, and things, those things hurt. What's so funny about that, as, as I'm sure you see too, is that the, that exact situation still goes on you know that's something that has not changed with time no well i think it's 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 human nature right yeah i mean especially when when you think that things are going your way yet you sort of have a suspicion there's somebody else you really need to be talking to yeah people tend to gravitate toward their comfort zone yeah and and i just think it's a good example of how you know people are looking for the latest most cutting edge tools and information and there's a good set of knowledge about situations like that that is pretty much timeless. Yeah. Well, and that's what I tried to address with my my books and especially my first book, Zero Time Selling. It's like, yeah, do whatever you want in terms of the you know complex sales processes and so on. But if you aren't mastering these 10 fundamentals, yeah. you know, your process, you're not going to get the ROI on that process and the sales results that you want. Exactly. Yeah. It's the fundamentals are timeless. I agree with you. What keeps you awake at night about your own business? We see so many companies that are looking for help and ideas, and I think it's a matter of keeping a focus on who our target market is, mm -hmm. where we do our best work, and um, and then staying true to that focus. So it's it's easy to be veered off by new ideas and initiatives and things that come along, and and so I think just staying true to our core is really important. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, someone that's the CEO of a small business or a sales leader in a small business, what's the key to staying focused? From my perspective, I, I think the key is to be very clear on what it is that you do best and who you do your best work with. Um, put it in writing, put it on the wall at your company, share it with your employees, make sure everyone understands so that it's the message isn't diluted anywhere, and then keep talking about it at your you know weekly, quarterly, periodic meetings mm -hmm. that you have, so that 
so that everyone's on the same page and and so you can keep moving forward in that direction. Yeah, because sometimes opportunities that present themselves, even though they may be interesting opportunities, they're not a fit with the long-term direction. I mean, I've seen too many companies get distracted by sort of this one-off deal that ultimately sort of drags them down. Yeah, yeah, and and we some of us are more ADD-ish than others, <laughs> and so... You know, it's easy to see something new and think that it's better. You know, the grass is always greener. Exactly, exactly. All right, so I want to ask you some sort of rapid-fire questions here. You can be as as brief or as verbose as you want to be in answering. I'll be brief. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Uh, CRM. CRM, okay. So who's your sales role model? And once you answer it, who was your sales role model at the beginning and who is now? Well, definitely, definitely my grandmother. Mm-hmm. We called her Mimi. Her name is Lorene Hall. My, I'm actually a namesake, so my full name is Lorene. I and, did. Uh, I did. <laughs> First time I heard that. Yeah, she. Yeah, so she was. She was my role model, and I, I think now, I think there are. I, I have multiple role models in in different niches and industries. So I, I can't pick just one, but I've you know yes. definitely been influenced by Jill Conrath for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Trish Bertuzzi, who's local to me, right? And lots of other lots of peers that you and I have. Yeah, I've been influenced by Jill too. I as I told her once, I look at what she does and I try to copy it. Oh, she's unbelievable. <laughs> so, what's the one book that every salesperson should read? <laughs> Yours? <laughs> ah, that, that was not. I was not. I was not fishing for that. My my future book called Sales Gems is going to be out next year. <laughs> oh, excellent! So what's that about? Uh, it's it's about a multifaceted tie into sales gems, mm-hmm. a multifaceted approach to sales prospecting. Excellent. All right, and that will be available when? Uh, beginning of the year. I'm going to say January. That's what we're looking at right now. Okay. So I rape. Put that on your calendar. Look yeah. for sales gems in January. All right. Your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for a sales call? Oh, I'm I'm jazz all the way. So love, who? Love jazz. Oh, anybody. Uh, you name it. The old, uh, some of the old jazz. I, I like guys like Win- Wynton Marsalis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, any of the older jazz that's been around for a while. It's uh, It's great for me. Good. What's the first sales activity you do every day? Uh, I write. Okay. Your blog? Yes, or some some type of content. Okay. What's the one most important thing a new or inexperienced salesperson should focus on to improve? Listening. And how Listening do they... skills with and... around them and you know within their team mm-hmm. and with their buyers. How do they practice that? By keeping their mouth closed <laughs> and, and learning about really powerful questions that they can ask that will elicit uh, insight to them. Right. And I would add is when you ask a question, to your point, listen, be in the moment and listen, and don't be thinking about the next question you need to ask. Right. And that's, that's human nature, too. Is that, mm-hmm. That's why people forget people's names when they're introduced. Right. Exactly. They're so busy thinking about what I'm going to say when you're done talking. So what's your favorite social media tool and why? Hmm. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a big Twitter fan. Okay. I'm also a big LinkedIn fan. Mhm. And and we get most of our 
our inbound leads come from Twitter, LinkedIn, and blogging all together. Right. So I got to put that as a trio. So what do you do to keep healthy? Oh, I swim. Oh, you do? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. So yep. master swimming or just on your own? Um, I do sw- swimming. I can get to the pool early in the morning after I'm writing, done writing. And um, I often do things like water aerobics, mm-hmm. hydro, hydro classes and no, excellent. things like that. Excellent. Yeah. Great exercise. Yeah, I'm a swimmer as well. But one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople is? How do I get more organized? Interesting. What do you tell them? Yeah, the the number one question is, I where do I get better leads? Right. And number two is, how can I get or stay more organized? So I talk to them a lot about self management. There really isn't time management; it's mm-hmm. how you manage yourself and mm-hmm. and how I think the biggest thing is putting putting important things that aren't urgent but important, like being organized in your calendar and making time to do things. All right. Love it. Name one tool you use today for sales management that you can't live without. That I can't live without. Um, or it could be your personal management. I mean, I'm still going to go with CRM. I think that's okay. the backbone. Which one do you use? Um, we use... Uh, we actually use two for for two different reasons, but we we use Pipeliner and mm-hmm. we use um, HubSpot. Got it. Okay. Which is you know ha- came out recently as a, a great built-in CRM right tool. to their marketing automation tool. Yeah. All right. Last question for you before we sign off. What do you consider your greatest success outside of work? Well, it would be raising a an awesome son. I would have to say. Heads above anything I've ever done. You know, there's nothing harder to do and more rewarding than parenting. And uh, and I, I think that that's, you know, pretty clear for, for a lot of people. Well, as you should be, and now you sort of have the ultimate reward, which is to be a grandparent. Yeah, yeah. My son just got his master's not too long ago. And, you know, they're really, really zooming in, in, their, in, in their world. So they're doing really well, which Excellent. is great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank you for being our guest today. We've been talking to Lori Richardson, founder and CEO of Scoremore Sales. So you can visit her website at scoremoresales.com. And as we spoke about in depth, as Lori is also president of Women Sales Pros and really called a informational support group for women who want to, who are in the sales profession, want to be in the sales profession, um, working hard to get more women into the sales profession. So make sure to visit their website at women, W-O-M-E-N, salespros.com. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you amp up your business. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.